morning. Welcome to Two Cool Dudes. Uh, I am your host, Lawrence Williams, with my co-host, Anthony Johnson. We are here to bring you another great show with two wonderful guests um, uh, to talk about some things that are very personal to them and some things that are personal to, to us as well. Um, before we dive in and bring the guest on, we'd like just to give a little bit of background on you know, just where we are uh, in regards to how we met the individuals um, and, and our opportunity of speaking with them prior to the show. Um, but I'll let Anthony say hello to everybody before we get started. How you doing? I'm Anthony. Uh, appreciate you guys for coming back. Um, we want to give a thank you to our sponsors, uh, Front Runner Construction. Thank you. As I said, drunk removal, we're on our way. Um, what is it? Weavers Accounting. Um, for all your tax needs. And then we have Mr. Lawrence Williams here with Lawrence Insurance. All your insurance needs. So make sure you check in. Convenience choice and counsel is what I provide. Convenience choice, Convenience and, choice counsel. and counsel. See, I got to get that down for him. <laughs> all right. Because it's more than just health insurance that I deal right? with. So Indeed. Convenience so. choice and counsel. Um, so last month, uh, back in September, we did two events. Mm -hmm. um, the march at the... Um, at the courthouse, mm -hmm. and then the tandem, tandem A-squared mm -hmm. um, bike ride, walk around at the Warrior Stadium. And we had a, a chance to meet our guests there and speak with them personally one-on-one. -on -one. We, we actually had a chance to walk with Tracy around the track, mm -hmm. um, and we shared some some thoughts on our last show, on our last show about our our talk with her, just because yes. we spent a lot of time with her. We did, um, and we that did. was kind of what about forty five minutes. minutes yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of what led us to you know wanting to have this show was mm -hmm. to have them share their story. Indeed. Um, so uh, I think you talked to Bruce a little bit more than I did. I did at, at the, uh, the courthouse. At the courthouse, yes. Yeah. At the courthouse. Um, and then you ended up giving me the information to reach mm -hmm. out to him. But it is, it is something that we feel that should be shared. Yes, because we feel like it can help. So we ask that anybody that watches this today, you, um, you have an open heart and open mind, um, and understand that these people are speaking from their heart, um, and they're brave enough to come on here and speak about such a traumatic event. Um, so we ask we do not judge. Uh, we listen with our ears, um, and not with emotion, so to speak, um, and give them their, their place to um, help others and to speak about what they are going through and have went through. Um, another part of that too is, is like we were shocked by the lack of yes. interest or attendance, attendance of people that, that were not there. Um, you know, people talk about mental health and they talk about other things in regards to, to suicide and just life in general, mm -hmm. but there was no support for, for, for anyone in that regard, which was really shocking. And mm -hmm. then that was something that we discussed as well, like moving forward, like what can we do in, in the near future to help promote those, those events, um, yes. to bring more awareness to those events yes. and to have people attend. Um, and I know you and I both spoke on this, like we had posted Posted for for a long time for like two weeks straight. It actually, was actually, it was a little bit longer, longer than that. Than that. Yeah. it was a little bit longer um, than that. Uh, we posted and it was like, we, we what happens is um, we appreciate everybody that that watches and listens to our show, um, but we post a lot of things in our social media because we're trying to help give back and bring um, attention to a lot of things that's going on within our community and within the world. Um, so when we're posting these things, we're posting them so you can be a part of it. Um, so all you have to do is just check it out, and it's there. It's there. Um, and again, like you said, for those events, um, uh, so many are dealing with this daily. Uh, it, this, this is happening around the world. All over. So it baffles me how we're not paying more attention to this, and we're not giving this more insight, so to mm -hmm. speak, um, yet and still we'll pay attention to other things that really don't 
affect us as much as suicide does. So I hope today, after watching this show um, and listening to what they have to say, that it'll catapult us into paying more attention to what's going on. And on top of that, you know, uh, I, I, I've been doing a little journaling, just uh, something yeah. that, that helps me with stuff that I struggle with personally. Right. Um, and, you know, just with the stuff that has taken place over in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. uh, and I won't go into politics about indeed. that because it's, it's life being the life that's lost on both sides. On both of the sides, spectrum. indeed. And then what just took place in, in Maine. Uh, and we're just talking about life in general. Like it is, life is is precious. Very much so. Life is precious. Very um, much so. And and I think a lot of us take life for granted. Mm -hmm. um, and then when death is upon us, mm -hmm. that is when we feel the the need to express, express the, the, the the value Thanks. of life. Right. When we should be expressing the value of life in right. the present form and not, you know, later on and what we can do to enhance the life of other people, mm. what we can do of, of helping others. Right. Like I posted today on my Instagram and um, my, my Facebook, I, I post like these random messages mm -hmm. and I've seen that you started doing the same mm -hmm. thing. I post I these random messages and I put down today, life is a journey. It is. Life is a journey of ups and downs, peaks and valleys, and there is, there is, you know, there is an end to life. Right. But how we travel through life mm -hmm. helps us when we get to that end mm -hmm. and how we deal with things. And I think, like, you and I both have had our share of mental health stuff. Indeed. Um, and I know my struggles still continue to this day. Indeed. Um, but I, I, I'm <laughs> right. in a Indeed. better place than I was Indeed. in February. I'm in a better place than I was Indeed. in March. But my, I, I still have those struggles every day. But right. the, 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 the point that I'm getting at is, like, people want help. But when it is presented to you or you have an opportunity to mm -hmm. do something to, to like say, hey, I want to help or I need help, like we don't, we don't utilize, it's a stigma. we don't utilize it. It's right. a stigma. And that's, we talked that, about stigma. Indeed, it's a stigma because a lot of people who are dealing with mental health issues are scared to get the help. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be so-called labeled as something. You know what right. I mean? And I'm here to tell you, don't allow what they call labels to be put upon you. Um, when you actually need help, it's nothing. It's okay not to be okay. That 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 is that is not a problem. Not a problem. And if you're dealing with pro you're dealing with certain issues within your life, it's okay to want to talk to somebody. Um, it's okay to you know about say I, I just need a, you know a little bit of time to myself, but express why. That way, you know others are not so concerned or or or. or or not so helicoptering you, so to speak, because that's another thing. Sometimes people don't say anything because they don't want people all on them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that plays a part as well. So I think today we're going to learn again from them about how to um, see, uh, recognize the uh, uh, some of the some of the 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 the. the I, I can't get the word. I know what I'm you're sorry. talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yes, I know what you're talking about. So to recognize exactly what some of the uh, stages are, so to speak, I can't think of the word out for no reason. But about, yes. um, and to um, how to cope with it if this has happened to you. Um, because again, this is a daily coping. This is, this is nothing that happens and you know, five years later you're like, okay, I, I think I've done. No, this is every single day mm -hmm. that these two people that we have met have to deal with this. And so what we're trying to do today through them and through us is to avoid other parents of having to continuously deal with this. You know, prior to the show he said, um, there, there's a, 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 a crew, and some people in the crew don't want to be come out and speak on this. Well, these two today are part of part of the crew that want to come out and speak. So, 
Um, give them open air because I, I promise you this is going to help somebody today. Absolutely. Uh, and with that being said, we're going to take a quick break here um, and we'll come back to you and have our guests come up here and, and share the life of, of their, their young people. Um, I'm not going to mention their names because I want them to share their names and who they are. And that's why I've been reframing from that. But I want them to, to share with you all what it is that they've experienced, their life, and, and how it is uh, affecting them to, to this point today. So we'll be right back with you, um, so stay tuned. And welcome back to Two Cool Dudes. Uh, we have our guest here with us now, Tra Miss Tracy and Mr. Bart, um, here to talk to you a little bit about uh, their life experiences. Of their, I am not going to mention their, I want them to say their names mm -hmm. first before I say their names and, and go into all of that. Uh, but Tracy, Bart, I appreciate you both being here today. It is, it is fantastic to have you here as our guest. It was a pleasure having an opportunity to participate in, in the events that, that you both held. Um, so we'll start with you, Tracy, since you're right here to my right. If you want to give the, our listeners and our audience a brief introduction of yourself and who your son is, and then we'll move, move on down the line. It's all right. Come you on, got say, it. Take your time. You got it. Um, Riley is my son. <laughs> um, uh, 383 days ago, he took his life. And um, um, it was kind of a three and a half week death spiral for him. And um, um, he was 17 years old. And um, he was my only child. Um, hi, my name is Bruce Bartz, and um, I lost my son Trent eight years ago um, to suicide, um, August 19th, 2015, and uh, it was 3.42 in the afternoon, um, and that's kind of what brings us here. Um, it's, it's, my story's a little, a little older than, than Tracy's, um, only because of time not because of anything else. Um, so I uh, really appreciate you guys having us on. And, and uh, you know, like you talked about before we even started, this, this is the only way to end the stigma that's attached for not being okay. And like you said, it's okay not to be okay. And uh, with us sharing our personal stories and let, let those know that who are struggling that, that they can talk and they can come forward and, and it's without judgment. Right. Uh, Bruce, my first question, uh, go right to you and then go to you next, Tracy, is um, tell us about Trent. Who was, who was Trent? Oh, wow. I'll keep it short. Like I said earlier, you guys don't have enough time. Um, he, was that, he was that young, young man. He was 20 years old when he died. He was in the military. Um, he, was, he advanced in the military uh, in his unit faster than anybody ever did in the entire existence of his unit. Um, he was that kid. He was a student athlete. Um, he was that young man that would walk into a room and light up the room. He would just make people smile. He always had a joke. Um, as a younger boy growing up, he was bullied. Um, loved sports, loved baseball and football, and, and, but never 
was never the, the star athlete. But if you asked him to run through a wall for you, he would do it, uh, especially on, on, on the playing field. And, um, you know, I remember a quick story. I always coached him in football. He said, Dad, all I want to do is start, I want to start one game as a senior because he was always second string, that pudgy kid. Um, his senior year, he started every, every game at center at Eastern York High School, and, uh, and that was in 20, 2012. And, and um, he was the starting center, because you know, at the younger age, they always put the center at the, mm -hmm. the, the least athletic at center, because all you gotta do is snap the ball, right? Um, and um, at 163 pounds, yeah, and he got his butt handed to him several different times, but he always went back at it. He always went back at it. So, yeah, it's just, it, it, don't get me wrong, he had his issues. Mm -hmm. um, as, as he was getting older, um, he drank too much, um, in, even at the age of 20. Um, I don't know if he was into um, drugs or not. I don't think so. Um, but he was self-medicating, so... But he just, he would think about everybody else. He, everybody else came first before himself. So. Thank you. Tracy, it's all right. It's okay. It's okay. It is okay. Um, Riley was so funny. He, he had these uh, silly things he would always say, like, peace out, Cub Scout, <laughs> every time. And he'd say, Mama, all the time, Mom, I love you a latte. And I'd say, I love you cappuccino. Um, he was into uh, lacrosse. He loved lacrosse. He worked so hard at that. He just, he wanted to get out there and play. And, and we'd watch him play. And, and we'd see while he was kind of hanging out there in, in the area where he was supposed to be. And he's talking to the opposing side's person. And, and he'd come back and always talk about how he learned something from them mm -hmm. or that they were, you know, encouraging him. And, and then it was said to him at one point, well, you know, that's the opponent. And he's like, well, they're just like me, yeah. you know. And he really, he, he found in other people the soft spot because he saw it in himself. Um, years ago, I'm a retired flight attendant. Years ago, I was on a, a flight and I had Tim Tebow on the flight. And I... I said, oh, my son's just going to think this coolest thing that you're here. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'll leave him a message, and I don't think you're looking for paper. And he's like, give me your phone. Oh, wow. And so he left me this video, and it's to Riley from Tim. Oh, wow, that's cool. So that, that day when I was talking to him, I said, hey, you know, how's everything going at school? And, and he was telling me how these kids are acting. Just, you know, they're kids. They're just mm -hmm. being silly and saying stuff. But he always took it very he was very sensitive, and his his friends had said that he he had two things working against him. He was a really nice guy, and he had a hard time saying no, because he wanted to be accepted so much that he'd find himself in places that he wished he wouldn't be. But that day, I um, I said, "Well, I've got a great message. I'm going to send it to you, and I'll call you back." And he's like, "My gosh, Mom, you know Tim Tebow?" I'm like, "No, I don't know Tim Tebow. He's just on my flight." But it was he was speaking to him that the same things that I had said, and I think what I found over the course of time is that it's amazing when you say to your child how important they are. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you don't fit in, you weren't meant to fit in. You were meant to stand out and help people and encourage people. And, but yet when Tim Tebow says it to him, he hears it's it, right? Story, right? Yeah. So, uh -huh. 
Um, then the, the kid who was kind of giving him a rough time, he's like, well, my mom knows Tim Tebow and shows a video, and he's talking <laughs> to me. Awesome. So he was pretty thrilled about that. But it was a constant reminder that, you know, you're, you're going to run into people that you, you find that you click really well with, and then others that they want to be around you. Mm -hmm. And you need to be careful with that because if they're into things that you're not into, they may, you have to be strong enough in yourself to say no. Mm -hmm. And he had a hard time saying no because yeah. he wanted One this ex. Yeah, he, he really did. And I, I, he would say to me, Mom, don't worry, because I knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. I knew I could feel it over Before the last. Before we dive into that, save that. Yeah, okay. we, want, we, want to lead okay. up, we want to lead right. up to that because we want to, I have some other questions here. Go ahead, uh, Anthony, for, for your question. Um, I, I, the first question I have, and um, again, Bruce, you can start, um, is would you say that um, prior to everything occurring, would you say you saw more of, and Tracy, you just spoke on it a little bit, would you say you saw more of trying to fit in or trying to be a part of and, in a sense, being denied that? Um, um, how do you feel about that when it comes to both of your situation? Like, how do you feel about, because I strongly believe that, um, especially in today's society with social media and everything, uh, that a lot of these children are trying to fit in and they're trying to be a part of, and sometimes it's not receptive from other children. Um, and that causes that child to then go into self-depression and things of that nature. So how would you say that affected um, your children and you guys' situation? I, I think you're spot on when you say, you know, everybody trying to fit in. Trent, Trent was like that. He, he wanted to be the best at everything he did. He wanted to be the most popular. Did he have that perfect look to him growing up? No, he didn't. You know, like I said, he was that chubby, chubby boy. Um, and he would do whatever he could to be part of the cool kids, if you want to be it th that way. But like Tracy said earlier, that probably wasn't his calling. He was the one who was like a lot of a lot of his friends um, have tattoos, and underneath his signature it says the protector, because he was like that. He would protect the ones that would that were being bullied, the ones that that nobody would would um, come come to. So I think that's extremely huge. And I, th I think a, 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 that was a big factor, um, like I said, because he wanted to please everybody. He definitely wanted to please me. Mm -hmm. um, he just, it, and I think in his life he felt he couldn't do that. Um, a lot of trauma in his life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge factor when it comes to losing someone to suicide and when people take their own lives is that trauma from the time he grew up, all that different bullying and, and um, maybe, the, maybe the trauma that I caused him with me and his mother arguing and, and that type of thing. We didn't have the best marriage in the world. And uh, so those are the things that we realize as parents we're, that we're putting that trauma onto our kids, not intentionally, mm -hmm. but um, so yeah, I think it's huge. So just to address that and then Tracy, you can, you can share your response. I, I don't think, um, 
as parents, and I, I'm not a parent, but I know with you mentioning that, like the things that I dealt with in my life growing up from, from the experiences that I went through with my mom and my, my father not being around and being divorced was, was definitely traumatizing to me. So I, I don't think parents look at it that way and not purposefully or intentfully to, to be like naive or ignorant to it, but it's just, we don't think about those kind of things and what kind of effect they have on, on individuals and what they hear, what they see, what they're listening to, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, I, I don't, I will say to you is, you know, as, as kids growing up, those things can be traumatic, but I, I hope that you don't, you know, place blame on yourself for, 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 for you know, I, that life. I, and I think Tracy will be able to, to confirm this with me. Every day I get up. I feel responsible for Trent's death. I know it's not true. It was his choice. It was a choice that he felt he could not get out of the situation that he was in. But I still feel that. And I even, even though I know it's not true, I was a good parent. I did the best I could. Did I make a lot of mistakes? Absolutely, because we're human beings. We make mistakes. We all do. Everybody does. We all do. And... Um, so, but you still have that feeling right. and you carry that with you. And that's just part of the process that you have to go through. I have a feeling that you learn how to not deal, you learn how to deal with it mm -hmm. and not make it so that it, it runs your life. It runs your life. Exactly. I mean, I have my moments. I start my day in the shower every morning mm -hmm. and I do my crying yeah. every day of my life. And, um, I think it's early in the morning because that washes it all out. But yeah, that feeling as a parent, you do, you feel responsible. You feel it's, it's part of your fault. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. Yeah. Well, I commend you. I commend you on being able to speak about how you know what you dealt with in the home and, and, and the things between you and your wife. That's, that's hard to express. Yeah. It's also hard to accept. Um, because again, as a parent, there is no book to how to parent. And we do not always get it right. We get it wrong a lot. <laughs> As a father, I know. Like I, um, but what I commend is the fact that you were still there and you still did your best. Um, and you still, even in the situation that occurred, um, again, it's not your fault. Um, you know, a lot of the trainings that Lawrence and I have uh, been a part of, we've recognized that um, there's nothing you can do in that moment that will stop an individual from doing this. That is something they come up with, mm -hmm. and it's final. Um, so you or Tracy, there was nothing that you guys could have done um, to possibly stop this. So I, I, I hope that is something that you guys can uh, lay on accept. Again, this is nothing that I'm putting on you because I've recognized that this is very traumatizing and hard to deal with. Um, but I really hope that within the future, you guys can come to a closure of not losing your child, but a closure of knowing that there was nothing you could have done. You did the best that you could as parents. Um, and I'm, I'm just, uh, man, I commend you guys for what you're doing because I, as a father, I, did, I don't know what I would do. So to be able to sit here today, thank you. So now, Tracy, you can go. I'm sorry. I get emotional with that one. That's, yeah. <laughs> um. I agree. I think that there's a lot of moments where I, it's the marble rolling around in my head. Like what, replaying a moment, replaying a conversation, trying to think of 
you know, what I could have said. I, I, um, I gave him a lot of good tools, like halt, hungry, anxious, lonely, tired. When you're in that place, don't make big decisions. Try to you know, set these things, these good um, kind of safety nets in place. So when you're in the, the landmines, you have something to reach for because then you're, you're not thinking clearly. And maybe, you know, keep saying those things. That's all I can say. Keep saying those things because they, it will land on their ears and maybe it'll land on the friend's ears that you're, that are at the house. Like I said before, you know, he, my words seem to land stronger on someone else's ears than his yet some same words from Tim, Tim Tebow, Tebow. Yeah. he can hear them, you know? So I, I, if this could happen to me, this could happen to anybody mm -hmm. because I was, um, I did everything I could possibly do. I mean, that would, I was home, I was with him. I had a great career where that I was flying two or three trips a month, six months out of the year. So the whole raising of him, I was home. Right. You know, he was, the babysitters were his grandparents. Um, he was in Boy Scouts from six years old. You know, he, he was on the verge of um, just having all the T's crossed and I's dotted for his Eagle Scout to be approved. I mean, he was posthumously awarded that. Um, but. He should have been here to receive him, you know? Um, I think that he, uh, he, could, he could see how he could help other people. And he, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, they're wanting to help. And when, you know, you, when someone wants to help you, there's so, I, I know, because I've been in that position where I just go, no, I, I think I have it. I got it. I got it. Riley did the same thing. But don't rob that person of the opportunity to bless you, to try to help you. Yeah. Allow them to try and um, don't cut them off. Because uh, so, it, when Riley would get stuck, let's say he had a test coming up and he was just stressing about the test or whatever. Um, a game coming up, and he would just be in his head about it. I'd say, let's go help three people. Because when you're helping someone else, it, it shifts your brain in a way that yeah, yeah. by the time, and, and three, you know, what's the number? I, I just made it up. I figured three, because by the time you get to three, you forget about what yep. got you stuck in the first place. And, and we'd go to Walmart, and he'd find a shirt on the ground, and he'd pick it up and he's like, I don't see what the big deal is. I go, but somebody's job yeah, is to yeah, do that. Yeah. And you don't know if they're seeing that. And then they go, someone does care. Right. And so it's a ripple effect. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. this ripple, I would tell him, your ripple, decide whether you want your ripple to be, what do you want it to be? I mean, you, you throw a big old rock in a pond, you see that ripple yeah. and you think that your actions don't affect other people, but they do. Yeah. And your words do matter. Mm -hmm. So you can speak positive things. And I, 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 I don't know what I could have done different. So I, I listening to you both, and, 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 and Bruce, I looked some things up on, on Trent. Um, and then Tracy, I, I, we heard a lot from you. Uh, it doesn't sound, and, and this, this goes out to our listeners, um, and, and our watchers, uh, a lot of people believe like these events happen to to individuals who are living a very traumatic life or experiencing something very traumatic. And it doesn't sound like either 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 one of either one of them were experiencing um, uh, anything traumatic in life because they had loving parents. 
but and I say this to to people out there listening, it, scenarios and situations are different. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be a, a dire situation for someone to do something. It doesn't have to be someone who is clinically li listed as Diagnosed. being de mm -hmm. depressed or having serious mental health issues that are, that are you can see in front of you. Because I don't think either one of you have expressed, like, this is not what you were seeing. You mentioned Trent drank and, and things like that, but you didn't say anything prior to, like, that he was struggling with a lot of things. and. You know, with depression, um, did you experience any of those things at, at home? Like, so, so growing up, um, we Trent was in counseling. Mm -hmm. He was diagnosed with depression okay. and anxiety. Um, he sought treatment for that. He was on medication for that. As he got older, things looked good. Mm -hmm. Would have never thought. Um, I remember sitting with him in the recruiter's office when he was 17 years old. You have that that application, mm -hmm. and you go through it. And it comes to question 23. I know this because I've talked about it. Have you ever seen anybody for mental health, psychiatry, anything like that, been diagnosed, ever taken medication? And uh, he looked at me and I said, dude, you gotta do what you gotta do to get to where you wanna be. Mm -hmm. Of course he lied to that mm -hmm. question. That's where the BS starts. He shouldn't have to lie to that question yeah, because he should be able to say, yes, I've experienced that and I've seek, sought help for that. Right. And it's made me a better person because I did have right. help for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now that being said, as he, like I said, as he got older, I thought he was better. And me not knowing, so we, never, we stopped seeing the counselor. Okay. About a month before he died, I found a new counselor. And I went, I went to him. I said, Trent, I, I see some things going wrong. I, I'm going to get us back in counseling. Right. His answer to me was, F that. Um, if I need help. I'll hit the gym. That was his relief. That was his tool. That was his coping mechanism with his mental health. So, but something you said earlier too that really makes perfectly good sense, and you're going to see a lot of similarities between Trent and Riley. Um, it's not those people with serious diagnosed mental health issues that Indeed. die by suicide, right. and the people that die by suicide they don't want to. Mm -hmm. They just feel that there's no, no other way out. Way out. Mm -hmm. So. When we talk about mental health issues, there's not absolutely anybody in this world who has not experienced it. Mm -hmm. Anxiety and depression at some level. Talk about it. So take your worst moment mm -hmm. and multiply it by infinity. Mm -hmm. And that's what Riley and Trout were thinking mm -hmm. when they died. Mm -hmm. There was no other way out. And even with the stigma that's attached to it, they, could, they felt that they couldn't seek help because they would have been weak for that. Mm -hmm. And because they both had that, I want to help other people. I don't need help. So, I mean, I think you can kind of agree with what I'm saying. Yeah. So. Would, would, was, there, was there anything that, that you, Tracy, I know, and I don't want to share what you, tell, talk about what you shared with us, because we, we know a lot from, yeah. from you. Um, what was it that, that you, were, you were beginning to see or the subtle changes in, in Riley um, that you started to witness that, that I, I won't say that you, because I don't think either one of you thought that, that them taking their lives were, were going to be something that, that they would have done, just, they were just struggling, yeah. but was, what did you start to see regarding like, changes? Because I've seen pictures of Riley, he is a, a, a tall, dark-haired, handsome, <laughs> Yeah, handsome yeah. individual, you well, know. Put yeah, well, put you know. Together. So it's 
it's, it's it, and, and I don't want to share my story because that's, that's something else, but that is, like, I just, what, what was it? Did it? Well, we had, um, you know, they, they're the choices that we all make, there's consequences. And I would always tell them every day, make good choices. And, you know, the good choices, they're good consequences. And the bad choices, they're bad consequences. And if you're bold enough to do it, at least own it and step into it. When you start trying to deceive your way out of it, it compounds the problem and makes it um, more painful because then, you know, then you have to, you look at somebody that you love and you realize they're trying to deceive you. That's a, that's a hurt that's so difficult. And okay, so you're, you're doing something that I wish you weren't doing. Just own it. He had um, been introduced to vaping in Boy Scout camp, of all places. How old was, how old was that he was, then? That uh, was the summer between middle school and high school. Okay. And the older boy that introduced it to him, because Riley was feeling, you know, lonely and homesick. And, um, and I remember thinking, you know, he's not calling as much, but you know, he's getting older. So maybe this is typical. And I, I was aware of not being a helicopter, you know, to just... I wanted him to, to step out there and fall because then he'd learn to pick himself up. Right. And, and he was <laughs> going 100 miles an hour the day he was born. I mean, he was just always <laughs> going. And so it was, that was, he was an active kid. He was funny. He was, so when, when we got into this, this vaping thing becoming part of our reality going, you, this is so bad for you. And you know, what is it doing for you? So let's find an alternative. If you feel like it's calming you down after whatever, let's find something else. And so we were working on that. And he was telling me he was working very hard on stopping that. And unbeknownst to us, that summer, um, September, um, as they were just coming into school, he was introduced to a new person. And this new person had access to drugs, Molly and cocaine. And, um, Riley said to me, I talked to him an hour and a half the night before he died, and he said he was going to hang out with this friend, and the friend needed his help. And my concern was, I, I'm afraid, that I had this feeling. I, don't, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you I'm concerned. I'm afraid that you're going to be helping someone who will drown you. And um, no, Mom, no, 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 I'm helping him. It's good. It's, you don't need to worry. <laughs> Tell me not to breathe. You know, all I can I can do that. I can't not worry. And um, what we are now aware of is that this individual created the pathway for Riley, and he had that hard time saying no. Yeah. And he he clouded his judgment, and then and then he found himself in trouble. Like, what do I do now? And just felt like, well, I'm that's it. I guess I can't. I can't screw up any more than this, and I just make mistakes, and that's all I'm ever good for. And well, that, none of that's true. But these kids these days are very—he was always very literal, very, very literal. Like he was little, and I said, "It's raining cats and dogs," and he burst into tears. I'm like, "No, no, no! It's not real cats and dogs. It's just—it's just a saying, you know." He was very literal, and but that I think that lended to his his heart and seeing people in, in the moment and having this heart to help. He was truly willing to go outside of himself, and and yet there are these kids around that you know they don't they didn't have loving homes, 
and they don't have the security of family. And you know, this particular kid doesn't have any of that. And so he sees Riley, and how can you not be jealous? I mean, you don't. We all have been in places where we wish we weren't, you know, jealous. Right. But it comes up, and then how do you respond to it? And um, he he just he made it all possible for him to make some choices. And then once he did that, he was not clean, thinking clearly at all. Right. And so it was, oh, criminy. And now I'm really in trouble. And my mom, how am I going to explain this to my mom? Mm -hmm. And he was stronger than he thought he was. Listening to you both, I get, um, I, I, I feel like you were very uh, supportive mom and dads, mm -hmm. and, and that your kids could come to you and, and talk to you about anything. Um, do you feel that that support, um, that support, and was, was there, I want to, let me reframe that. Um, you were supportive of, your, of, of, of Trent and Riley. Do you feel um, like they were, they felt like they were letting you down? Yeah. And that may have been the reason why they, they didn't, one, you said that he said F this about, you know, going back to doing counseling and, you know, Riley got into trouble. And do you feel like that might have been a reason why they, like, they, they felt like they may have been letting you down? I, I, I think absolutely. Um, Trent idolized me. Mm -hmm. He would never admit that. Right. I never knew that. Right. Um, so... I think through his entire life that he felt he was a disappointment to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, when I say he was drinking too much, he was, he, he was at Chippensburg University mm -hmm. um, his first semester. He was the freshman, you know, after he'd been out of boot camp, he's in the, R JROT, or in the ROTC. It's like um, his grade point average was 1.5. And I remember when he came home that after, after the first semester, he was like, wow. Dad, I'm really sorry. I'm going to do better. And he was in tears and crying. So, yeah, you got, you know, he was doing the fraternity thing and partying way too much. Um, well, the second semester, his grade point average got worse. Wow. And they asked him not to come back. He disappointed me in that. Right. In his mind. Was I disappointed? Surely. Right. But then I got to look at, too, I was the one who pushed him to go to school. Right. He wanted to do the military full time. Right. So that my expectations, he couldn't fill my expectations, okay. if that makes sense. It does, yeah. And so that was a disappointment. Um, he, the summer after, uh, the summer that he died, um, he hadn't got a full time job. He was only in the Army Reserve, so he had to still have a full time job, and he was going out with his friends and, and just doing the things he shouldn't have been doing, which was sitting in bars. Even though he was 20 years old, he was getting away with it um, and coming home late, and he was looking for a job. And actually, the day he died, he had come home from um, looking for a job, and um, him and I had argued. I'm like, dude, you, you got to get your crap together. It's not the way I said it, obviously, but, yeah. um, and as he's walking up the steps to his bedroom, he tells me to F off. And I thought, you know, uh, that's not going to happen. Right. You know, you're not going to tell your father right. and him and I, we actually physically fault. Mm -hmm. I went to pick up my grandson. And I, last thing I said to him was you're acting like the people you despise, mm -hmm. um, a relationship with, with his mother. He hated her relationship with alcohol things like that. And um, 
That's when I left and came home and found him. Um, so it was like, kind of like that perfect storm. Yeah. So I think, I think people that die by suicide, it's that expectations that even though we don't, underst we don't realize that we're putting it on them, right. it's there. A lot, of, a lot of the people that we talked about serious mental health issues, it's, the, it's not those people. It's your, it's your people you would never expect. Right. You look at pictures of Riley and pictures of Trent, and you look at their faces, they're smiling. Mm -hmm. Robin Williams, um, yeah. he's a perfect example. The people that make yeah. us laugh. And, and it's our student athletes. Riley was a student athlete. Trent was a student athlete. And I can name very, very many more student athletes because of the expectations that we, they feel we are putting on them and maybe we are putting on them without realizing it. Does that kind of make sense to what Before I'm saying? When you respond, Tracy, I, you know, I've been an athlete all my life. Absolutely. Um, and that's how we know each other, too. I yeah, think of, yeah, for coaching, uh, yeah. Coaching and rapper. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a high school rapper. I think I might have teed him up or told him I don't give him. No, I'm just kidding. This is your just that, and I'm going, and you, you can respond next, Tracy, to, to, that, to that question. Um, but just to, to piggyback off of just being an athlete, like I know myself, I, I put the weight of the world on my back. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's sports or my relationships with, with family or, or friends. Hmm. Like I, I tell people that, that I talk to and they ask, hey, do you, do you talk to your friends about certain things? And I say, no, because I think my friends think I wear a cape. Like, like I'm like the superhero, and like I like I'm supposed to be. And it's funny because I had a Facebook post that popped up from last year, or actually it's from like five six years ago, and I posted, "Do I always have to be a rock?" Um, and and now I don't want to get emotional because this is not about me. This is about you too. Um, but that is the way that that we feel as athletes and and people that care about other people. Like I have to be strong. I have to be a rock, and I can't let people down. And when I do let someone down, like, oh shoot, like where do I go? Like who do I turn to? Where does where does where do I get my support from? Even though you both have expressed you were loving parents to your mm -hmm. to your kids, you have to be a tough loving dad, you have to be a tough loving mom, mm -hmm. like you have to, but when we disappoint those people that give us that, that tough love, mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, like what do I do? What have I done? Mm -hmm. And, and, how, do and I come I, back from that? how do I come back from that? Yeah, um, you can go ahead, Tracy. I'm sorry. No, um, no, it brought up a, a memory that he had said to me a couple of weeks before. He had said, "Mom, I'm afraid you're not going to like me if you find something is out." And I said, "What are you talking about? You're my favorite person in the world. I love you. I there are things sometimes we don't like actions, but that I love you. I." He was my gravity, you know, and he knew that, and I told him that, and I had a, a neighbor come over because I was um, on our driveway. We put up a sign, Riley's Trails, because he created all the trails on our property, and uh, I was weed whacking, and he came over, and, um, you know, people kind of carefully like eggshells come like they don't really know what to say and or they don't come and it's so hard because you don't want to feel like you've got a big old gray cloud hanging over right. you even though it it is yeah. um he said uh how long has it been he says a year and i'm like no it's been six months 
at that point, and he said, um, my wife and I were talking, and we thought, wow, he must have really felt like he let you down to do something like that. And I, I thought about that a lot after he said that and thought, I, I was the poster child of showing him, look, when I made a mistake to, I didn't act like, look, do as I say, not as I do. I was the poster child of saying, look, here, this is how when you mess up, when you don't do what you wish you could have done or said what you wish you would have said, this is how you pull yourself together and just deal with it. I, I humbled myself with him often, you know, when I, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I lost my cool. I'm sorry I was, I didn't react the way, you know, I wished I could have reacted. I, but my, my panic is because I love you. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm yelling at you, it's not because I'm mad at you. It's like the car is coming. Don't run in front of the car. You know, it's yeah. the same kind of volume, but for different reasons. And, and so, yeah, I, he, uh, he definitely felt that way. Like he didn't see a path forward. Those were his words to me in his letter that he left me. And I, if I, you know, it's the constant going back. It's years ago I had, a, I was listening to a podcast because someone's son had committed suicide. And the podcast, they said, there's 137 things you shouldn't say whenever you approach someone who's lost someone. Yeah, I want to speak on that a little bit. And uh, mm -hmm. I, just recently, I saw someone who I hadn't seen, didn't come to the funeral, didn't go to the viewing, hasn't called, hasn't reached out, hasn't talked to me. First words are, how are you doing? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. You look great. Well, <coughs> yeah. you have no yeah. idea what it took for me to put myself together. Yeah, to look exactly. Let me open together. up my inside. Exactly. Right. So it doesn't look exactly. like. And I said, Riley's <laughs> dead. And he goes, I know. I know, hon. You just got to move on. <laughs> I was like, really? And I just walked away and just thought, you know. I, I had the same thing happen to me. I had someone say, you'll be OK. You'll, you'll be OK. It's, it's, and, it's, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, no, go ahead. It's, 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 it's one of those situations, and, and this is speaking to our viewers. Um, if you know someone who is dealing with something traumatic as this, um, we have to be mindful of how you approach. Um, the wordplay, um, sometimes it's better to allow that person to begin speaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially if you know this is, I mean, prime example, when Tracy was speaking, she said she was in a yard, and well, it's been a year now, isn't it? And that, that's not yeah. how, that's something you say if I haven't seen you in a while, or you got a new garden, or something to that effect. Yeah. You don't yeah. walk up to an individual who has lost her child my only child, and say it's been a year now, and then she has to remember that it's only been six months. You, you, you get what I'm saying? And then saying only six months as if... Only. You, you know what I mean? So we have to be mindful. And um, I want to touch on something, because I heard both of you speaking about feeling like you've been let down. Um, we as parents experience this a lot because we want to be the open-minded parent, uh, who you were, Tracy, okay? Um, basically, what you said to your son is, you say you humbled yourself a few times, but you tried to give him, as a mother, the best point of view when it came to life. Yeah. Bruce, on the other hand, you were the father, you were the protector, you were the, the guider within the family. So what you gave him was what a man gives his son. 
okay? What happens in this is, and, and, and when you said it, Bruce, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I've done this. You said we try to put things on our children and then we want them to abide by our expectations of it. And I reckon, as soon as you say, I'm like, wow, I've, I've done that. Um, and I think we as parents, we do that a lot. We, we put these expectations on our children, and when they don't meet them, we get upset about it or we feel some type of way about it. Because in a sense, it's us trying to be a better them, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Because you, you we nailed know it right where you act at. <laughs> yeah. So as a, when you see your, your DNA, so to speak, uh, sprouting, you're saying, this is a better version than I was. I want you to be 10 times better than I was. Mm -hmm. Because now at my age, I know the things that I did wrong. So I'm going to give you the guidance to do it the right way. But we're, we're failing to realize that every time these things are changing. Absolutely. It's not like it was when we were in our times. These things are changing. Even in, I grew up in the 80s. So much stuff is different now. But I was raised uh, by my, my grandmother had a big, the biggest hand in raising me. And she taught us these things of, it was her way or the highway. So as an adult, the way I raise my children, it's my way or the highway. This, this is what I expect from you. This is what I expect in my home. But when you said that about the expectations, I'm, it made me think, hmm, maybe I'm not getting it 100% correct. Mm -hmm. what, what am I doing um, wrong? And what do I have to now go back and redo? And I say all that to say is, as parents, again, we're not always going to get it right. But we have to recognize that in it, we can do better. But it's also not on us once they go into the world. Because once they get into the schools, once they get out into the community, and they get to hanging with the friends, and the, we, we were kids once. We were teenagers. How many times did your mom and dad tell you not to hang with such and such, or don't be down this part or that part? You may have listened in the moment, but once you were out of mom and dad's eyesight, you were back down there with such and such and them until something happened and you realize, oh, this is why she told me not to do this. So we can give them what we can give them inside the home. Again, as Lauren said, you guys, listen to you guys' story here, um, personal, outside of here. You guys did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. You guys did a great job. Absolutely. It's not your fault that that sunrise, you guys got into it. Because I know that plays a major part within why you feel like it's your fault. Because I can only imagine how that feels knowing that at that point in time that occurred. It's not your fault. That's life. Life happens. And sometimes it happens so rapidly that when things occur, we're like, if I could get that one second back. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you, you know what I mean? And it's the same with you. You had no idea as a mother intuition you knew, but you had no idea what he was doing when he went on the outside. That's not on you. Mm -hmm. That is not on you. Because you did the best you could when he was inside. You did the best you could as you were providing for him. So that's not on you once he went out that door. Because you provided the proper tools and the guidance to help him be a better individual. And he was. So was he was. They were two great individuals who dealt with a battle. It happened. But it's not on you guys because you guys did the best that you could. You know, um, Kevin Himes, 
I don't know if you know their name or not. He's one of the 16 people that survived the Golden Gate. Right, the Golden Gate, indeed. And his story, when he tells his story, um, he said the millisecond that he let go, he let go, yeah. He regretted it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I was doing CPR on Trent, mm -hmm. I could see the look of regret mm -hmm. in his face. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee Riley regretted it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to die by suicide. They At just all. feel it's no way out. And you back it up to when you talk about parenting styles. You grew up in the 80s. I grew up in the 60s. <laughs> the parenting style was just a little bit different. But that's what my father taught me, who was a, uh, a sailor, and it was a strict regimented thing. I was a police officer for 27 years, and a strict regimented thing. You know, And, and you, you nailed it. We unknowingly put those expectations on our children because we want them to be better than what we did because we know the mistakes that exactly and and sometimes we just have to let them make the mistakes on their own mm -hmm. so and and it's hard it's extremely hard especially in today's generation yeah. because people want to capitalize on other people's mistakes exactly and they feel that they're stronger because of that exactly. when they say they are actually weaker because the ones that are making the mistakes are the stronger ones and they're the ones that can learn. Exactly. And you so, don't even have to go into detail there. I know exactly what you're speaking on. Yep. So go ahead, Lawrence. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, so we are, we're, we're, I, we, can, we can go over time here, um, but I have two que questions, um, and this is, this is probably uh, a difficult answer to, to both. And I've heard your story, Tracy, um, in, in the question that I'm going to, to ask, but I think our listeners need to, to hear the responses. Um, Bruce, this is the first time that I'm hearing that you said that you found Trent. Um, and you, you, you administered CPR, and Tracy, you shared where you found Riley. Um, can you share with our listeners and viewers when when you returned home? And this is this is these are tough answers because when Tony and I, Anthony and I, after we listened to you, we talked about it at the at the at the at the field, and then we talked about it again, and then we talked about it again because of like the the, the imagery. Um, we felt like we were there. We felt like we were there, and the way that you described described when you found Riley. Um, can you share, Bruce, like when you found Trent and, and what that moment was like? And then, and then Tracy, you, you, can you share the same? Um, you heard me say earlier that, that um, you know, he had come home and we had argued. I, I was actually, I was off work. I just, um, a week prior, had my knee operated on. So I was on the couch. Um, and like I said, it was August 19th. He, he finally that day gotten up and, and went and applied for a couple different jobs. It was about uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He came home, and we, we did that argument. And um, he said the words he did. And I went upstairs, and he was, he was in his bedroom when we argued, and we hollered back and forth. And, and um, he did his strong man. And he looked at me, and I thought he was going to come after me. He thought... I was going to come after him, and we came after each other. And we, and I actually got him down on the bed, and just so you know, he'd kick my ass if he wanted to. He was pretty well beat, buff, and um, we wrestled for a little bit, and um, 
got up and I was talking to him again and I said those words, you know, you're starting to act like the people you despise. And I, and I left. I had to go pick up my grandson. It was his first day at kindergarten because his, and, and that's not Trent's um, son, it's my daughter's son because um, they lived with us at the time too. And um, so I went outside and, and I got in my vehicle. I went and I picked up, uh, picked up Braden at daycare. It was his first day of, first day of uh, I think it was kindergarten, yeah. And uh, came home and I was, I'm, gonna, I'm continuing to fight. I'm pissed. I'm, I'm angry. And I went walking upstairs, and if you go up our stairs, straight ahead is the laundry room, and then the bathroom, and then Trent's room, and then my room in the back, and, and it was hot. It was a hot August day, and I remember getting halfway up the steps, and I'm thinking, what the hell? Why do you have my bedroom door open? It's hot in here. I have my air conditioner running. And so I'm hollering at him, hollering for Trent, and I'm hollering for Trent, and come in and I turned and I went back in the hall and I saw my bedroom door open I slammed the door and I'm where, and I'm, you know, where are you at blah 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 and went in his room didn't look and as I walked out of his room like straight ahead and I saw him sitting on the uh, the laundry room floor so I uh, I like holy shit and I, uh, I I ran downstairs I grabbed my grandson and I don't think his feet hit the ground from the time I grabbed his arm to the time I got him over to the neighbor's house. And I literally opened the neighbor's house and threw him inside and I hollered at him. I said, Trent shot himself. And I'm running back across the street and I'm dialing 911 and I go back upstairs and as soon as I get halfway up the stairs, I could smell the gunpowder. I didn't smell it before. I go in there and I could just see that look on his face and I'm on the phone with 911 and I said I need an ambulance I need the police I need whatever and, um, I saw him take a breath and I'm like oh my god he's still alive so I, I uh, started doing CPR I don't know how long it was I have no idea but the next thing I felt was somebody on my shoulder just like uh let him go. He's, he's gone. Let him go. It was actually one of the guys I used to work with. And uh, I remember everything that night like it was today. I'll never forget it. I remember the details until we left my house that night to go to my sister's house. I closed the door. And after that, then life just seemed to be a blur for a long, long, long good time. I missed him by four minutes. He sent a message to his girlfriend who had just broken up with him. They had just broken oh, up. Man. Mm. It was part of the perfect storm. Yeah, that's what it he was, said, yeah. It was the perfect storm and uh, the message was, hey, um, you're gonna be okay. I'm gonna go away for a little bit and I'll see you when I get back, I love you. And that was time it was sent to the time I called 911 was four minutes. Mm -hmm. So, um, I appreciate you guys allowing me to share that story. I don't know how it feels for Tracy, but it, that's healing to me because it, it, um, there's always that question. I still always have that question. The first time I went up the steps, why didn't I, why didn't I smell that gunpowder? 
because he's still alive then. And it just allows me to play that in my mind in a more controlled environment. And that helps me go, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So allowing, that's why we started the, I started the foundation I did. It's like my healing. Um, I know that Trent, three weeks, a week before he died, we were planning on going out to dinner. And uh, he said, Dad, I can't go. I got to go over to one of my buddy's house. His girlfriend just broke up. I didn't see him for three days because he was helping his buddy. He was staying with his buddy. So I know that Trent would help whomever, no matter whom they are, who they were, in, in whatever journey they had. So I'm kind of picking up where he left off right. and what he would be doing. And before Tracy goes, it's, it's that same statement and sentiment that you both have shared that they would be willing, Trent and Riley would be willing to help anyone regardless of what they personally were dealing with. Right. Regardless of what was going on with them, they were always going to be that individual that was going to help someone. People have the wrong impression. Of people, people think, and this is the stigma, that, that those who die by suicide are weak. Mm-hmm. And they're not. Yeah. They're not weak at all. They just don't know how to get out of that situation. And they feel that that's the best oh, wow. way. Yeah. And that they have just disappointed everybody in their life. Tracy. And again, remember, I said before we started, if, if, it's, if, it's, if you're not comfortable, it's okay. Um, it's, you know, I, it's something every time I would run into somebody and I would hear Riley's name, like their kid's name was Riley, they almost like wince. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I want to hear his name. And I'm happy to hear his name. And um, I want his name to never be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And his, his choices he made at the end do not define him. They were a small snapshot of his landscape of his life. They don't represent him. But it's something because you, you, uh, you say suicide, and then all of a sudden, that, it's like a, an earthquake in the room. And it, 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 you can quiet the room quickly if you say that. Um, or if you say your kids did drugs, they, 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 the response, you can see the look in the receiver's eyes. They go to a place of what that looks like when it doesn't necessarily look like that in this situation. Um, it's the instant judgment. It is. It really mm-hmm. is. And I, um, so um, the night before, we had talked for this hour and a half, and I had said I was concerned about him going over to this friend's house. And he said, no, they were just going to go play video games, which was a typical thing. And, um, hugged me and I love you mom and I love you a latte and I love you too Baba. last thing I said and uh, the next morning I got a call at um, 6.53 and I didn't recognize the number so I didn't answer the call I just I thought it was just another spam call you know and uh, we were getting up and getting ready because uh, we had family staying for the weekend. My husband's parents were in town, and we were getting ready to go to church. And I knew Riley would be coming any minute because he knew we were going to church, and he wanted to get ready with us and go. And uh, then I get a call at 7.20, and it's a police officer 
who tells me that um, he had stopped Riley the night before in Hanover because of a taillight out in the car that he was driving. So I'm in shock. Wait, what, he was in Hanover? What are you talking about? And thinking, what in the world? What are you doing? You know? And then he tells me, well, I smelled marijuana in the car, so I had to pull him out. And since he was the driver, I had to take him to the hospital for um, a blood test. And he says that he was the most polite kid I've ever dealt with. He was very agreeable, and he explained that they had smoked pot an hour before, and he really wanted to stay where he was, but they were bringing a friend over to a house, and he was the only one that could drive. He said he talked about lacrosse, and uh, the trooper said um, he was talking about telling Riley, you know, this isn't a deal breaker for you. You know, you're 17, you get expunged, don't worry about it. And then he proceeds to tell me that he told Riley, make sure you let your mom know, text or something, let her know, because I'm going to be calling her around 7. And, uh, and so then he says, you know, it's okay, no problem. You know, you'll, you'll get past all of this. And then he releases my son, who is a minor, to another adult and justifies it in his mind that, well, I've released him to a responsible adult. He's my son. Yeah. You don't mind charging me a fine because he's the minor. You don't mind, you know, making my life difficult because, well, your kid's done whatever. But in this moment, he robbed me of five hours that I could have talked to my son and said, look, this isn't define you. This isn't the end of the world. It's okay. You know, consequences, you're going to get locked down a little bit, but it's not the end of the world. I, I never had that chance because not only did they not call me, but that mom never called me. Oh, to this day has never called me. And so then I find that he's come home, and the note that he wrote to me was timed at 7.07. Mm. So when the police said this, I'm like, where is he? And I look on my phone, and I throw on my boots, and I run outside, and I'm just thinking where he's on the trail, you know? He's probably just sitting out there on that bench that we have out there at the corner, and he's probably thinking about all that. Like, what am I going to say to my mom? And I'm like, it's okay, it's fine, just you know. And I'm yelling his name, and I'm just begging God, please make it be okay. It's all going to be okay. And I come around the corner, and I see him laying in the trail, and there's this long stream of blood, and I race up to him. And I'm just like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm holding the side of his head and just, just like somehow I'm going to hold it together. Like it's going to keep him there. And his right eye was swollen and his left eye was open. And throughout my training, I kind of knew his eye was blown. He was gone. And I'm screaming, please, God, don't let this be. And I'm telling him, it's okay, and we'll help you. We'll fix this. It's going to be okay. And depressed, my husband comes up, and he sees the gun. And I didn't even realize. I, I Somewhere in my brain, I, I just was not. And he moves it out of the way, and I. 
if I had had my wherewithal and I had realized in the moment what I somewhere in my mind knew, I would have taken the gun and killed myself. He was my son. He was my gravity. He was the, 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 the prayer I had my whole life. I just want to be a mom. I just can't wait to love this person and show them life and see life through their eyes. And we called 911 and they had us doing a CPR and Russ was trying to guide them to come back through the trails. And um, I didn't want to leave him and I didn't, I just, I just wanted him to, I just was trying to like, you know, like wake up. I just want you to be here and it's okay, you know, it's okay. We'll figure it out. and. And then they came in and they just all kind of swarmed around him and were trying to do what they were doing, you know. To, and then they made me leave and I just didn't. And then I, everything I was wearing was covered in his blood and I just wanted to keep him, like how, how do you, and I think, what if I would have just answered that call? What if I would have just not, been so sure that it was this spam call. What if I would have answered? What if I would have gotten out there? You know, maybe maybe he would have seen me and he would have realized, like, you can't do this. Please don't. And I can't, I can't undo one second of any of it. And in the course of this, there's these days where I, um, my mind wanders and I go back to the trail and I see him and I and I try to, you know, nobody wants to see someone crying all the time. You know, it's, um, it's that question, so how are you doing? And you walk past because you don't really want to know the answer. And so I just have my, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm hanging in there. And as long as I'm focusing on something else, I can kind of keep it at bay, I guess, is the best way to say it. And it's like there's um, some distraction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I started making these puzzles, these little wooden puzzles, and I felt like Riley would have loved that, and um, it helps me stay close to him. And so Riley's ripple effect has changed. It's changed, you know. There's this part of of me that only came out around him, you know, this this mama bear that was the part of me that was funny and silly with him, it seems to have gone dormant because he brought it out in me. And, you know, I heard someone say, when a person commits suicide, they just take all their pain and they leave it on the people up behind. And I, I, I wish that, um, I wish I had him back. I'd do anything to get him back. But then I want him to be proud of me and I want him to be, you know, there's my mom, you know. I'm going to change the topic here just because of that last statement that you made. Um, and then we'll go into talking about what you have going on, Bruce, and I know you're trying to start some things to, to, to celebrate Riley's, Riley's life um, yearly. Um, 
I say this to both of you, um, if, if the things that, that did not occur, we wouldn't be here right now. Right. We, we wouldn't have this opportunity to share with our viewers and listeners and other people and you doing what you're doing, Bruce, to bring about awareness and what you're trying to do, Tracy, to bring about awareness. Um, this wouldn't be you know, where we are right now. Um, so, you know, we may want Riley and we may want Trent back, but you may, you two of you may not be the people that you are right now. And there may not, there may be people that are listening right now that may not hear this story and may not be able to, to go and sit down with, with their, with their kids and, and for them to share their love or listen to Tony say like, this is the way that I parented and the way I grew up. And now I know like I can't continue parenting that way because you know, I don't want to put that demand or that expectation on my child. Um, so I, I do not have any children, but I have thought about suicide. I, I have had the gun sitting next to me and um, have called my mom to, to come take it from me um, because of me wanting to, to, to end my feelings. Um, and then I had a family member tell me exactly what you just said of, when you lose, when you take your life, you take the pain that, that you were feeling and you put it on other people. Um, so it kind of gives me a better understanding of what my family member was, was sharing with me. Um, he did not know how to talk to me about what I was experiencing, but I kind of understand that, that feeling now. Um, and as I digress here and, and we begin to come to a close, Bruce, you have been doing some things to honor, to honor Trent, and then we'll go into you, Tracy, and what, what you've been doing to, to honor Riley, um, Bruce. So, um, yeah, I formed a foundation. It's called Bart's Brigade, the Trent Bart's Foundation. Talk, you can talk to oh, our I'm people sorry. right there. It's okay. Uh, here's one of his, if you guys don't know, here's one of his things that he gave us, it, a pin, shall I say? It, it's the, a challenge coin. Challenge um, coin. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yep. Trent was, when he was in the military, he earned all kinds of cha uh, challenge coins, and you can tell we're survivors um, because of the tattoos. And, right. and um, so it's kind of a, a thing with the challenges that um, I'm challenge everybody to take care of their mental health or mm -hmm. challenge everybody to listen to that person who might be afraid to say anything. And, uh, but through the foundation, um, I, saw an, I, I saw a need that, you know, sometimes people don't get the help they need because of finances, mm -hmm. because of what have you. Um, and because Trent was in the military, we work with veterans, military families. Um, because he was so closely associated to school yet, he was only 20, he was only out of school three years, um, two years. And um, so we work with school-age kids and, and young adults because he was a young adult. Um, well, he's still a baby, but... Um, so we help whatever people need to make sure that their tools are intact for whatever whatever they might need. Uh, we, we help with gym memberships. Trent was pretty much physically fit. Um, and um, that was his mechanism. That was his coping mechanism. So we, we'll help people with gym memberships. We'll help them with counseling therapy sessions. If they, if they don't have insurance, we'll pay for them. Mm -hmm. If they don't have, um, if they do have insurance, they can't afford their co-pays, and that's the reason that they're not getting into therapy, we pay for them. Okay. Um, Something I'm extremely proud of is that 85% of the money that we raise goes back into the community. Oh, 
a, a lot of nonprofits have just the complete opposite where 15% goes back in the community. But um, so we've been, I, I became a nonprofit and uh, we started very small with just a, a, a few things. And, and uh, now we're, we're pretty big where we run uh, four or five events a year. Wow. Um, our signature event is in, um, in September. Uh, we do uh, what's called a ruck. Those military people out there, they know what a ruck is. That's when you put your, your gear on your back and you, you, you run. And Trent, when he was in the, the uh, Army Reserves, he competed in two best warrior competitions, which is um, you have to do all kinds of different things with navigation and that. But part of it was a ruck where they put their rucksacks on, which weigh anywhere from 60 to 80 pounds. Wow. And they would go anywhere from 15 to 20 miles. Um, and they would run it. So we do a ruck every year. Um, it's called Ruck 22, where we go 22 miles. Uh, when Trent died, 22 veterans a day uh, died by suicide. Mm -hmm. okay. So w that's why we have the Ruck 22. We do the 22 pounds. We only have 22 athletes that do it. Um, every mile we stop and do 22 push-ups. Oh, wow. Every year our goal is to raise $22,000. So, um, but those are the things that we do just to not only to bring awareness, but, you know, to show somebody what somebody who's struggling with mental health because it's pretty grueling. Yeah. Um, it's not you as an athlete. Yeah. 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 And it it kind of it kind of shows what um, Trent would do for somebody else. He would take their pain if he could. Mm -hmm. And it also shows how grueling or how somebody who's struggling with suicidal ideations or anything like that what what's going through their mind, you know, all that that pain that they're dealing with. And it's only a snapshot of the pain that they're actually dealing with. So, um, so Bart's Brigade, you said, correct? Yeah. Bart's Brigade. Yeah. It's BartsBrigade.com. We're on Facebook. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's um, we we do a. It's funny you say about talking about our names, and I showed you guys my T-shirt. We do a campaign every year because we want we do want to hear our kids' names, you know. Um, and what we say is say our say their name. So we do a we do an event every year. It's a butterfly event. Um, it used to be it used to be lanterns, but I almost burnt down Wrightsville, so I'm not allowed <laughs> to do them anymore. But anyway, um, we release lantern or release uh, butterflies in memory of someone, and then we have a DJ. We we take their you know um, your loved one's name and their favorite song and a fun fact about them, and then during the event the the DJ plays all that stuff. So we have that. It's called our Say Their Name campaign. So because you know what the biggest thing is. We're, we forgotten. will definitely make sure we get to, to some of your events to, to, to show yeah. some support. So, so I'm glad to well, hear thank all that. Thank you. Yes. Tracy? Well, right away we started um, the Riley Project 84. 84 was his number because it was August 4th was his birthday. So the Riley Project 84. And um, it's become the Riley Ripple Effect. So what will your, your ripple matters and what will it be? And so we're in the beginning. A lot of this is just me trying to figure it out work it out and make it happen and so we've got the website up and it's still in a place of me trying to make that happen because I keep running into anniversaries of things and his Eagle Scout ceremony um, they retired his um, lacrosse jersey so that was a big event um, and then we just passed the anniversary of his death and so we had a big bonfire and released balloons um, so in that process, I've been making these little puzzles because um, our plan is to have a center, the Riley Center, and that center will be for kids. 
so they have a place to go. And there's his friends have said there's just nowhere to go in Gettysburg. Yeah, and anymore. what do we you do? Yeah, there's just uh, they a lot of it's uh, catered to those out of towners coming to see the Civil War, and that's great and all. But what yeah. about the ones that are there? Exactly. So that's our plan, and. Um, the center will also, we want to have a field house for the lacrosse team, that they will always have that, because you love lacrosse, and um, have that as an, a place for them to never have to go looking for a place to practice or be on the back burner just in case there's an opening. That's also there. But the puzzles are all marked with, um, on the inside of them, LOR, Life of Riley. And so right now, because I, I need to, I, you know, I retired. I, but I, I still need to, I have to have a purpose, otherwise I, it won't be good for me. And so right now I'm making puzzles and that's just the placeholder until we get this other thing going on. But um, they're kind of cool. It's Riley's ripple effect on me. So that's where I am with that. So. Can I add a couple things? Sure. I, I see a kind of a partnership forming here. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we talked about this before the show started about the fraternity that Tracy and I belong to, and it's, it's a fraternity that really sucks. Yeah. Um, and I don't ever want even my worst enemy to be part of that fraternity, but it's there. Mm -hmm. So let's let's make that a great fraternity. But um, something else we do too is we work with high school athletes, mm -hmm. um, and we have on on. Uh, we did a symposium last year for coaches and, and um, parents on how to accept and learn about student, student athletes' mental health, how to help them deal with that, because you had talked about it earlier, how important that is. And um, so we do symposiums like that. And Gettysburg High School will be invited to our next one, we'll be, which will be in January sometime. So I want to get that, that stuff out there, too, is that we still work with the kids, we, we, we do that, um, whatever, you know, just putting that out there, teaching mm -hmm. the coaches. You guys have been to youth yeah. sports, you know what it's yeah. like. Yeah. And the impact they have, even yeah. if it's club ball or whatever, that, that, that they're doing with that. So uh, those are different things that we work on too. We want to make sure before we leave that we get, get some more information from you guys so we can share that share that stuff on our on our Facebook and Instagram pages just uh, to spread the word and, and that goes for anyone out there that is listening and watching um, this is just not about two about Trent and Riley but it is it's about a lot of individuals who who have lost their lives and, and family and friends that are, are dealing with with the aftermath of of you know that experience um, so please feel free um, we post frequently when we're we're going to have shows but our email address is available two cool dudes that is t i mean it's two w o cool dudes at gmail.com and then you can reach us on instagram and facebook um, we will definitely post and share um information uh, about what um about Trent and Riley and what's going on, uh, so you can provide them with support and being able to attend events. Um, I've Bruce and Tracy, we, we, we appreciate you both coming on hey, here thank you and, so much. and sharing, and we probably could talk for another half an hour <laughs> right. and, and ask more questions um, about about Trent and Riley and then just and just your your experiences and what you're dealing with because this is not this is a never ending process for for you too. This is this is never ending. And I don't want to not have you have your last word. So no uh, the biggest thing um, I want to say before we do pull out um, is it's okay not to be okay. Um, there are people out here who will listen. Uh, there's a, a text number 988 I believe 
um, that you can text if you're dealing with um, mental health issues, if you're dealing with thoughts of suicide, you can text. Um, it's also another number that you can call via that text message. But it's okay not to be okay. It's okay um, not to be the greatest at everything. It's okay not to be the star all the time. It's okay to have moments where you feel like, you know what, I'm just not feeling it. It's okay to say I have mental health issues and I need help. Like, that's okay. Um, and let's not judge those who are going through these kind of issues and look down upon them just because they're dealing with something because just because you see a person smile in front of your face you don't know what that person is Absolutely. dealing with inside um so thanks for everybody that came out um to uh view the show today and listen to us thank you to uh bruce and tracy for expressing what they did and um again reliving that for us yeah um, we appreciate that so much from you guys uh, we are still looking for sponsors, so if you want this show to continue and you want to keep seeing these faces, um, uh, email, like he said, the number two, uh, two cool dudes at gmail.com, um, and tap in and see if we can make that happen. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, as you should, junk removal, we're on our way. Uh, Jeannie uh, Weaver Accounting Solutions, Lawrence Williams Health Insurance, Convenience Choice and Council, and Front Runner Construction. So thank you all for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Take care.